Okay, we're ready to roll. Yes, sir. It is time for another Brothers on the Phone Talking Movies podcast. That's what we're doing. And uh, we've decided to do, what was it, five movies? Is that what we said? We, we try, we're trying for five. Five movies you should see that maybe you haven't. Not the obvious. I'm not going to tell somebody to see Star Wars, The Godfather. That's ridiculous. If if you haven't seen those, why are you even listening to us? You know. <laughs> like, wow, um, you did that's a takedown immediately in the first ten seconds. <laughs> I know it's just alienated whatever listeners we may have. <laughs> um, yeah, so these are movies that you should see, and maybe you haven't, or maybe you haven't seen in a while. Maybe you should rewatch. Uh, that's how I looked at this thing. Uh, I want you to kick it off. Come on, what do you got for me? Charlie Chaplin's City Lights. I know I've brought this up before, but I, I really believe that a lot of people, probably under 35, maybe even under 40, haven't seen this movie. And I think because it's a black and white, maybe people get a little shy or they get a little turned off by black and white movies. But it is a classic Charlie Chaplin film. It's, it's one of the great comedic... It's silly. It, it, it's a film that is about self-sacrifice and of course it's a it's such a romantic film and i would give i would give any amount of money this and didn't need a lot of tissues because it's it's a tearjerker but in a really really good way Mm -hmm. i just love this movie you know i do it's one of my all-time favorite films and i have to be geared up to see it but it has a really it has a really great ending too that's just really a cool film. I, I, I must admit, I haven't seen that movie in I don't even know how many years. And, you know, and, and you see clips of it and stuff, but I really haven't watched it from beginning to end. And I don't know how long. I really don't. See, and that, and that, that meets one of your criteria because it's a film that you did see, but it's, you have to watch these films again because they, they get us at different points in our lives. Mm. Things are different, happening it, 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 so I think it's a really cool film. And in fact, I've, I've seen it maybe four or five times myself, but I'll watch it again just because I thought I haven't seen this. And they don't run it enough on the movie channels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, it's it's obviously one of consider one of his greatest films. And, you know, to consider anything top of the line for Chaplin, it shows you how special it is. Uh, it is. And I was going to pick maybe as an honorable mention, and I won't even say as an honorable mention is the great dictator. I think that's a super cool film, but this is an important film to see, I think, because this, yeah, I'm just, that's it. Just see city lights. It's just a really special film. Um, All right. I got to admit, I should see it again. I haven't seen it in a long time. The first one I'm going with, I'm really going to surprise you with this too. It was actually on TCM the other night. Go figure. Uh, and I watched it and I, 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 I missed a few minutes of it and I just sat and watched it. And I said, you know, this is really a good movie. And I remember liking it more and more as I watched it. Uh, people that are fans of the genre have probably seen it, but many people probably kind of just poo pooed it for many reasons. Um, from 69 on her majesty's secret service. Oh, it, it is. Wow. A, it, Thank you, sir. It's a really underrated James Bond film. And in watching it, 
First of all, Diana Rigg may be the best Bond girl ever. She's one of the few that could act, first of all, and look good. And I think that that really is adds something to it. It has a very atypical James Bond ending. It, it's tragic, in it, obviously. And then also the action sequences are really top-notch. Uh, they are. They're probably better than any Sean Connery action sequence. The cinematography is beautiful. And George Lazenby, you know, he's, he's fine. He's not awesome, but he, he serves the role. They dial it back a little bit. They make him a little bit more vulnerable than Sean Connery. Maybe he was becoming too much of a character of James Bond. And it's a really great film. Telly Savalas is a good villain as Blofeld. It really is. This is one that if you haven't seen for those, just see it. And if you haven't seen it in a while, do it again. Totally do it again. Folks, if you're listening to this podcast, don't see this film. It's not one of the better James Bond films. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to go into battle with you over <clears> this and say that I did watch some of it mm -hmm. the other night. <sighs> Snooze fest. It's so boring. Lazenby is, he's so bad as James Bond. There's nothing James Bond about him. Other than the fact that, he ha that he's like 6'2 and he has dark hair and is for that day i guess handsome but oh my god he's stiff and flat there's no there's no comedy he doesn't have any of the kind of dry wit that roger moore had or the sexiness if you want to if, if i can even say that uh of uh, pierce brosnan and certainly doesn't have uh the physique or anything near the physical well 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 okay Daniel okay Craig okay i i Obviously, it's a boring film. It is. It's why, not. Why? It, it's, I want to know why. I mean, Goldfinger. Why, why is this Goldfinger is boring too? It's, Goldfinger takes time to develop. Oh, I I, 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 I won't totally disagree with that, but that's a much more. Fun. Why is this movie? Why do I need to see? Why is this so important? I I, I to told you why. Movie? You've got probably the ultimate Bond girl, Diana Rigg, who I absolutely no love. No way. I, I, not even close. And then you have. Look at the cinematography. Like, I don't even think you were paying attention because you were sleeping, obviously. <laughs> and look at the cinematography. It's absolutely beautiful. And the action sequences for that time are really good. The ski chase, the car chase, some of the fighting. They're much more spectacular and not as cheesy. I uh, can name five Bond films over that that, are, that offer better in every category. For Bond girls, yeah, for Bond gadgets. Not even close. Russia would love was always your favorite one. I, I didn't say you? I didn't say that this was my favorite one. I said this is one that you should see and maybe see again. Oh, Reevaluate. I reevaluated this film. I poo pooed it, and then I went back and have watched it a few times. And I went, you know, this is pretty good. There was a Bond poll conducted, I think, in 2012, and it was the number one pick from Bond fans. This film, it's a cult pick. It definitely is. Who was it? Grandma's over. Yeah, here? yeah, yeah. Exactly. Is that the demographic? Oh my God, you're. I don't know who you are. Okay, all right, well, I, it's just, it's well, thank you. Thanks for embracing this. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, oh. go ahead. Go ahead with your next pick and be careful. Make it a good I, one. Uh, I had coffee later in the day, so you'll have to excuse me, folks. Well, this is your favorite genre. Musicals, Singing in the Rain, 1952, directed by Stanley Donan. It is probably the diamond of musicals. If you haven't seen musicals, and so many people don't see musicals, because A, they don't make them anymore, 
really, and they certainly don't make them even in the last 30 years anywhere near what the quality of Singing in the Rain uh, was. And if you want to see a, a film, uh, great choreography, song and dance, and some of the greatest dance sequences and musical numbers, man, this is it. Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, Donald O'Connor. It just doesn't get better. And it just it, transports it's kind you of an back obvious, to the it's, golden it's kind of an age obvious of musicals. Pick, it, well, it, it really is. I don't, there's I no th- risk. I, I, there's you're, no you're, risk you're, in this pick. Well, you're kind of right in a sense that, because I thought about, well, okay, there's the Wizard of Oz. That's kind of an obvious pick in a way. because It's a little too obvious because if you're under seven, you're probably going to see that at some point as a child, whether you remember the first uh, watching of it, I don't know. But Singing in the Rain is not something that every household grows up with. Families, especially uh, the farther we away we get to musicals, and this was in the golden age of musicals, I mean, we saw it because mom liked musicals. She loved musicals, American in Paris, which is another great one. And if you watch this, that will this will lead you to maybe that i don't so, i don't dispute that this is a really fun musical and i and i mean that i'm not a huge musical fan but this is a fun one and donald o'connor i just love it he's just fantastic and he's so much he's fun. amazing and, and and what's he's her in- name gene hagen is very funny too um you know it's kind of the, the the dumb blonde type but i i just like i said i think it's kind of an obvious pick it's in that top tier of musicals uh but okay yeah i i only say it because there aren't a, a lot of avenues to really watch classic movies to begin with. Mm-hmm. We know where they are and where we can find classic movies, but it's not easy. And they don't run musicals all the time. They don't run them enough. And it's happy. And we need more cheerful, happy, silly, fun. And plus the fact, it's cool because you get to see the transition a little bit without giving away too much of the plot from Silent Era to the talkie. So I, I, I okay. highly recommend I know, and I, I know you love this film, and I, I just think it, it's a bit of an obvious pick, but okay. And, and, and it's a gateway film, because I wanted to lead you to other great musicals, like American in, in Paris and Oklahoma. I mean, there's some, there's some Meet Me in St. Louis. There's, there's a lot of great films, but I think this one, people can handle this. Mm-hmm. And if they can't handle this, they can certainly see that's entertainment, the original one, part, part two, part three. They're all fun. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I mean, they, they obviously get, capture get really the, the great moments. Um, I followed the rules of this podcast, unlike you, who picked an obvious musical, one of the greatest. And that's why we all have opinions, folks. <laughs> so uh, You're I, jealous. Went, I went to, uh, to a film from 1984. This film was a cult film the minute it was released because it really it, it was not going to be a big film in, in so far as box office. It, it, it's a neat story, and it's called Repo Man. Uh, it stars Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton. And I don't even know how to describe this film. Like I said, cult film, the day it was released, it, it, it's part comedy. It's part adventure. It's part sci-fi. It, it, has, it just throws the rule book right out. It's about a young punk rocker and Emilio Estevez who joins up with this grizzled car repo man, Harry Dean Stanton. And they repossess cars, and it's all the things that they get involved with. And one of the cars they happen to be tracking may have a connection to extraterrestrial aliens. But there's some really funny comedy in there that kind of pokes fun at, you know, the crazy 80s consumerism, mass consumerism that goes on. Everything that they 
that they consume in their bodies has in it. For instance, if they're drinking something, it says beverage, or if they're eating something in a can, it says food. It is very funny. And Emilio Estevez, who's not somebody I really care for, is perfectly suited for this role. He plays the punk rocker really well. Harry Dean Stanton is really good in this, too. He's such an out-there kind of guy, and he's perfect for such an out-there kind of film. Uh, it is. It's a lot of fun. The soundtrack's really cool, too, because it assembles a lot of really great late 70s and early 80s uh, punk rock and alternative artists, and it really lends itself to the film. And I think this is a, I think this is a good pick, even though I can't remember this film. Maybe I've seen parts of it. I never saw the whole thing all the way through. But it's certainly if you're looking at all the films, the 10 or 11 films that we've picked, I don't have anything that represents that time period. So that's kind of a nice time capsule. So I, I, I like that pick and maybe I like the film. It wasn't something I was attracted to, but go ahead. Yeah. I, yeah I mean, it, like I said, it's just a it's a cult film. It, it's it's not the one that you're going to see and it's going to gross $200 million. It's a film that you got to sit there and you got to watch. You have to be in the mood for it and you have to suspend all disbelief. It's a wacky film. Uh, do you think this, do you, does this film qualify as a, as a black comedy? Oh uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, there's the comedy is really a, is underlying throughout this whole film, but there's elements of sci-fi and adventure and car chases and violence, but, it's still a funny film in in many ways, so I, I definitely recommend seeing it. Uh, cool, I think it's yeah, a good, good it's pick. a good time. It, you won't see anything like it, and it is. It's very much of that period of time, but it still holds up because it's so out there. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna revisit this. I, I am. You should. I'm gonna give it a chance. You should. I, well, all right, that's good. Uh, I went really very serious on this next pick, Schindler's List. Uh, I was actually my first – well, not my first thought. I was between Schindler's List or Guess Who's Coming to Dinner because these are films that I think maybe people haven't seen. Certainly Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, I would say that's a certain demographic, and that's certainly talked a lot about. I mean, that was all about the uh, interracial uh, marriage uh, of a couple and just – how that sort of evolves and how they tell their parents. But I just thought somehow I think Schindler's List just kind of hits me in a different way. I think that it should be shown in schools. And I realized that it's a tough theme, uh, certainly because of the time period of World War II, uh, the Nazis. I realized you can't show that to young children, but certainly Certainly to high school students, I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of people that really should see this story. It's a true story of the German industrialist Oscar Schindler and what an amazing transformation his character goes through. I mean, it's a real person. He's a real person. It's, it's just a, an amazing film. And, it, and as sad and as melancholy as, as it is, because it is true, the events that happen at the same time, it has an upbeat, it has a hopeful ending. And, and I just think it's, it's just something that people should see. Uh, his character goes through uh, an amazing change in the, in the film, which makes it such an interesting film to watch. And, and as I remember correctly, when it aired on television, uh, Steven Spielberg made a deal with the networks that it would be commercial free. So I, I strongly recommend this film uh you I mean you have to really be up for it i mean it was very successful at in its time 
especially for the subject matter. I mean, I'm sure the film probably grossed 150, 200 million dollars, which a film of that subject matter probably would never have grossed that type of money. But do people still watch it? Uh, are people still viewing it today? I wonder. And yeah, so therefore, I, 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 I say that the pick is an interesting pick. Uh, I don't know that people are watching it today. I, I don't. It's a good question. I don't really. I don't know. Again, this is not something that you see every day. But Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg got this made because he made amazing hits like Jaws and and E. T. and 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, he he was the the king of of uh, major epic blockbuster films, and they gave him what was it, twenty million or whatever it cost to make this film. And I don't think they wanted to do it, but they didn't have much choice. But it ended up being pretty successful. So oh, yeah. I, I, I just think that any one the any one best director finally uh, for Schindler's List. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's obviously a very brave uh, film, and not too many directors could pull it off uh, like he did. So yeah, I mean I I would recommend anyone. It's and not, boy, it's, you and if you want to see acting, Ray Fiennes. Yeah. If you're a fan of Ray Fiennes, whoa, he is. He's scary in this. He really his is. Perf- his performance is incredible. If you think b- he was great in Harry Potter, it was Voldemort, <laughs> which he was, is wow. He is a monster in this. It's, it's yeah, he's incredible. I, it would be nice if they shown this uh, in schools. I, you know, I don't know that they ever would, uh, and that's a shame, but it, it definitely couldn't hurt uh, to see this type of film and people see what can happen. Uh, I'm going to kind of piggyback on this one, interestingly enough, uh, with a film that is somewhat similar in a sense. Um, I'm a huge fan of film noir, and I love the the dark and the shadows, and there's a lot of great film noirs. I'm picking one from 1947. It's a message picture dressed up as a film noir murder mystery, uh, but it's called Crossfire, and it talks about the evils of anti-Semitism, coincidentally enough. Uh, and, and it's about a gentleman who's Jewish who gets murdered because he's Jewish. And it, it was really – it beat Gentleman's Agreement, which came out the same year, to the movie theaters. The original story was based on a, a murder of a homosexual. And I think the producers just felt Hollywood and the public weren't quite ready for that yet. So they toned it down to a more relevant theme at that time of anti-Semitism, especially post-war. Uh, it's a really neat film. It, it just shows what happens at night, and none of it is any good. And the darkness and, and all and the I shadows. saw this film. I had never seen this film. You recommended this film to me. You said, you've got to see it. I love Robert it. Young is great in it. Robert Ryan is, is, is whoa, he's evil. <laughs> totally, totally <laughs> sinister. I mean, he was nominated for Academy Award uh, in his performance. And it was a performance I think that dogged him almost his whole career because he was so not that guy and he couldn't escape that performance. And yeah. He... I like this film. This is not a film normally. That he... I mean, I would have picked maybe gentleman's agreement. This maybe wouldn't have hit me right away, but this is as good, if not better. It shows you how, how horrendous it was Yes, in, in that period of time, what people went through. Well, I mean, you have, you've got post-war, and you've got soldiers aimlessly walking around the streets. And these are guys that are smoking cigarettes, they're drinking, they're playing cards, and they're getting into trouble uh, because they haven't really found that next phase of their lives yet. They're just adjusting to coming back home. 
and you see it's what happens. Civilian life, yeah, yeah. You see what happens to these guys, and some of their prejudices that they carried over uh, are back home now, and it's very interesting. And yes, it has Robert Ryan, Robert Mitchum, Robert Young, all three really good. Robert Ryan definitely steals the show, but it's funny you don't get too lost in the message. Really, until the end, when Robert Young kind of gives a speech about it, it's a murder mystery, and it's a good one. And it, it, it yeah, I agree. You. They 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 really don't like hit you over the head with it. No, but it's there. Yep, it's definitely there. Yeah, it's a good pick. Thanks. I like that. Thank yeah, you. I like Thank that. You. It's Thank good. You. In fact, it makes me want to watch it again. Yeah, because I think I saw it. And I was a little bit sleepy. It was later at night, and so I should, I should just watch DVR it or just watch it again. Totally, yeah, it's a good pick. Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, I can certainly pick us up a little bit, maybe with uh, this. Was really I, I was really between two different movies. I have to say, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, the nineteen thirty nine Frank Capra film. It's eighty years old this year. I I love this film because it just there's not enough of these films that are made about characters that are idealistic and see the world in such an inspiring way. And when they believe something and they're passionate about an idea or their cause, they just, they don't give up. And Jefferson Smith, the character that Jimmy Stewart plays just personifies that, that character, that character. I I was actually going to mention, and this is an honorable mention, the movie Rudy, which I think was a, I remember when I very first saw it thinking, wow, talk about an indomitable spirit, somebody that just doesn't give up, that presses on against all odds. Not that movie, just the, the phrase. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I have to say that this movie is, it just makes you think like, are there people really like this that exist in the world? And I think there are, but it's just, it's just cool, I think, for people to see. It just, it made me think like anything is possible. So I think it's a great, and Jimmy Stewart is just terrific in this film. I think he should have won the, the Academy Award for this film and not Philadelphia Story. Yeah, well, he was I, great I in do, that. I do. We, agree. We've talked about that before. We, we, I, I do believe that Robert Donat, who won for Goodbye Mr. Chips, deserved it in 1939. But I would say that Jimmy Stewart was an excellent uh, second choice for me. And yeah, his performance in Philadelphia Story is fun. I, I imagine it was probably a reward because they, they, they felt that maybe they messed it up at 39. I don't know. He was delivering so many good performances uh, at that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it, certainly a good pick. Uh, you know, we, we, we need something like that in today's world. Uh, Frank Capra, always with the messages in his films. I'm not a huge Frank Capra fan. I don't always care for the messages. Sometimes I think they're heavy-handed. Um, but I respect it. And it, it's, it, it, is a, it is a good film. It does draw you in, and you really do care about that character. You really do. And when you see him, he can barely stand, and you feel for him. So, okay. And how many films we, – we see Robert De Niro change his look and lose 50 pounds, gains 50 pounds. The same thing with so many – Christian Bale, he does this. He always gets – always loses a ton of weight and – and I'm but this film, how many how many actors could you think of that lost their voice while they were yeah. filming the movie? And Jimmy Stewart actually loses he loses his voice while he's doing a, a, the sure. filibuster. Yeah, well it, and it, it adds to the uh it adds to the authenticity uh, of the film. I don't know that I'm yeah. a huge fan of the filibuster though. So that's why I have <laughs> that's why I may have an issue with this film. But that's up for another time. Uh 
I'm going to go to 1981. This is just funny, flat out funny movie. Definitely under the radar. I think a lot of people never saw this film. I, I really recommend seeing it. It is just silly. There's no message here. You just want to sit and laugh, and you should laugh. It's Used Cars, directed by Robert Zemeckis <laughs> and executive produced by Steven Spielberg. I really, I you know, like, there's, there's, I like this. Day. It, like it, this it's, day. it's not trying to be uh, an important comedy. It's not trying to be anything other than just ridiculous. And I think that's why I love it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And everyone is in it. And they're playing it to the hilt. Kurt Russell has never been better. And he's an underrated actor. I've always felt he was. He plays a smarmy used car guy, but you like him. And Jack Warden is hilarious in two roles. Uh, He's fantastic. Royal Fuchs. He is Royal Fuchs. And it just shows his range. Here's a guy that played a lot of serious roles, but he was really great in this. He had great hair, great sideburns. Uh, give me well, great they, sideburns. It, I it, love it's it. It's the old story. I mean, they picked a very fine actor to play a comedic role, not a comedian. No. And Jack Warden proves it. He is definitely overlooked and underrated. I, I like this film a lot. I was going to pick a silly film. I was going to pick a Caddyshack, but I figured you're going to have that covered. I just had faith that you would have this I just covered. Said, I, Caddyshack's too obvious. That's like I said. I, these, I tried to pick things that weren't obvious. Well, now you're, you're right, but I was just flying recently back from Nashville and there was a couple sitting next to me on the plane and it's Southwest had about you know, maybe six or five or six movies that you could watch. And one of them was Caddyshack and they must've been, I would say in their late twenties and they were debating which film to watch. And they were looking at a little, little trailer of Caddyshack. And I thought, uh, if you guys want to laugh, this is the film. If you haven't seen it. And they said, yeah, we heard, Really good things about it. Oh so uh, they were terrorists. They they were they were obviously <laughs> sleeper cells. You should have immediately reported them. That's just un-American. It's un-American. Oh, Absolutely, just disgusting. But uh, Garrett Graham is great in this too. He practically steals the movie as Jeff, maybe the most superstitious character uh, in the history of film. He is great film. in that movie. He is. He's just he's hilarious. Rudy, Every- I'm not getting into a red car. It's yeah. a red car, Rudy. Uh, it's just fantastic. It's so silly. Lenny and Squiggy are in it. Uh, they're funny. Uh, it, like I said, totally, totally silly, totally ridiculous. Worth seeing. You're gonna love it. You're gonna laugh out loud. That's a good. That's a really okay. Yeah. We we needed a silly pick. Uh, I'm with you on that. And that's overlooked. This film is overlooked. Totally. I, I think this is this is an important silly comedy to see. It really is. Uh, well, you're not gonna get a silly comedy out of me. I, my my last pick. Uh, is going to be Rear Window. And I, this was not, I wasn't debating this at all because certainly it's in the AFI's 100 Greatest Films of All Time. Not that that was a criteria, but it was cool to see that it's pretty high up on the list. I think this movie's really, I mean, it's, when I first saw it, I didn't think about the perspective of the film that we're seeing it through uh, the main character. But we also get to see it and make a judgment from our own eyes as well. And it juxtaposes its back and forth, which is, makes it really fun to watch. And I think it's maybe Alfred Hitchcock's one of his greatest masterpieces. We get to do something. We get to be voyeuristic, which is just something that it, it's not necessarily the most uh, flattering thing to admit. 
but I think it's something that we all think about as human beings. And, and, and certainly Hitchcock was somebody that played on our fears and he would show kind of the worst side of humanity. Uh, so I think this is really, it's a fun film. It's comedic. It, there's, there's certain, certainly romance in it and it's full of uh, suspense and mystery and, I just I love it and I just I can't get enough of it every time they show it in one of the art festivals I go to see it because it's it's so cool to see it on the big screen I mean it's a really good movie I can't argue that I I think it's kind of a and it's a two shot it's a no it's a no risk pick though I don't think you're really you're pushing the I mean it is it's a great film I I, I always had one problem with this film one problem is I never really fully bought Grace Kelly and Jimmy Stewart. I think... Uh, because of I, the age difference? I think the age difference. I mean, well, I'm not even that... basing it on the looks because that, that, that's, that's something different. It just, they, it never, they never felt that much of a couple to me. Well, I think, I think there, was a, there was a resistance on Jimmy Stewart's character, which is, I think, part of the fact that that's who his character was. And he's a... And he did a great job of ignoring her advances in the film. Pardon me. So it kind of it kind of makes you feel like, yeah, it's not a great matchup the two of them. But really, she's the one that's more stuck on him and wants wants that relationship more than he does. But when I saw it again, Laura, I'll, I'll tell you what really hit me. It was that it's a two shot film that we're looking at it. We're looking at all the lives and all the happenings of people in the different apartment buildings without giving too much to film away and of course we see the inside of where jimmy stewart and grace kelly are I, like i said you, it's an inarguable cool. pick it's a great film i i think it's like it's a no risk if you had said rope i would have been more fascinated <clears throat> with with that pick because i, I don't feel think, like i don't think people a lot of people are, are that's not going to be a lot of people's cup of tea i wouldn't i wouldn't think that i mean it's a neat film i like it i think it's a cool film but I had that had to really grow on me, and I don't know that's something I need to see. I'm going with Rear Window. Okay. I know you're a little on the fence about it. I know you like the film. I mean, yeah, but... I do. I mean, there's, there, I mean, listen, it's a great film, and everything you're saying is movies. right. They don't make movies like this anymore. It's, where do you, it, it, where do you see a movie like that? No, no, it's very inventive. It's very creative. Um, my last pick is from 1934, and I've I've gone to this pick many times. Um, oh, by the way, Rear Window is 1954 by Alfred Hitchcock. Sorry, yes, right. thank you. <laughs> Um, you know, Universal it made tons of money with Frankenstein and, of course, Dracula, and then eventually the Mummy and the Wolfman, and I think those are the films that they're remembered for most during that kind of golden age of Hollywood. But the greatest horror film they ever made, in my opinion, was The Black Cat, oh and it's the one that I think is really it, it, it's the one that sticks with me after all these years. Don't get me wrong, Frankenstein, Dracula, they're fun. The Wolfman, great horror film. I feel like everyone's probably seen some version of those films. But The Black Cat takes risks. The Black Cat is a very risky film. It was made on that kind of dicey period when the code was still a little gray. It was changing, and they could get away with a lot. I mean, it's a movie about Satanism. And, of course, there's necrophilia and, and, and all kinds of violence and horrible things happen. Uh, but it's so subtle. Uh, and then you have the two greatest horror film stars of 
of all time going head to head, Karloff and Lugosi. Karloff has never been more sinister and yet more controlled in a performance. He is just the personification of total freaking evil. Now, let but me ask you a question. He dials remember? it back. Now, j- just on a pronunciation note, do you say Bella Lugosi or Bela Lugosi? Uh, I go with the Bella Lugosi. Bella, okay. That's kind yes. of what I would think, too. Yes. Yes. yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. This Thanks is a clever. movie. You have been selling me this film at like a vacuum cleaner salesman just wants to sell you that Kirby vacuum. Uh, so I- I'm just going to give into it and I'm just going to say, I'm going to watch this film from start to finish and report back to you and take a quiz or whatever. I have to I do. do I, want, I, know I really do. This it, is it one is, of your favorites. I, so. I think it's maybe 62 minutes long. You've wasted more of that time today doing something far less important. Which we won't mention. (laughs) Yes. It's one of the cornerstones of horror cinema, but it's not typical in any way. The sets are cool. The direction is very cool. Yes, it's a little slow because of that 30s period. But I'm telling you, Karloff is just so crazy in it. And Lugosi is really good, too. He plays a little bit against type. He's... He's a protagonist for sure, but they're definitely a flawed one. Uh, and their matchup together when they play a game of chess for a woman's life is just awesome. It really is. And when Karloff sits at the organ and, and you hear, I mean, it's just iconic. It's like, it doesn't get any better than that. It's just amazing. So they cram so much into 60 some minutes. And you should be thoroughly and wonderfully disturbed after you see this film. So, <laughs> well, that's gosh, my pick. These are great. I mean, these are good picks overall. I only had one issue and you had a semi-issue. So I think overall we've got good films for people to well, see. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't have that. I mean, one can't argue with Singing in the Rain and Real Window. I mean, they are great movies. I, I just, you know, question you could have been riskier, but they're great films. There's nothing to say. Well, You were you. completely offended by my honor, Majesty's <laughs> service. <laughs> So, well, you've got it, folks. Here, here are our picks for this week's episode. Yes. uh, So uh, once again, we are brothers on the phone just talking movies. That's what we do. Uh, We hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, Check us out on Facebook for sure. Check out these podcasts if you ever want to chime in and let us know what your picks are for the stuff we're talking about. We'd love to hear from you. Totally. Please do. See you at the movies. All right. Good night. Good night.